Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temi, and I'm joined by Andy Leonetti. Hey, Laura. I was trying to make, think of a <laughs> pot joke, and I just I blanked. <laughs> there's, there's so much fodder out there, it's hard to hard to choose one. Well, maybe we'll see if so if our other host can come up with a joke. We also have Veda Himetha. Oh my gosh, hello. No, I can't. I was literally against my will. I went to a my first ever pun slam. Oh God. Is that like, <laughs> please tell me that's what it sounds like. Is it like a poetry slam? It is exactly what it sounds like. But I thought I was putting my name down no. for a raffle or something. And <laughs> apparently an, an hour or so later, they're like, Bob, Kelly, Keegan, and Vader. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, they're like, who's Vader? Yep. (laughs) Pulled to the stage, unwittingly signed up to pun slam off. All that is to say, I am punned out. Which is which is rare for me. I think I'm gonna lay low. You're you're cash, as you might say. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I always say this is not a blank podcast, but <laughs> but for once I'm like this this could be a pun a deaf poet a deaf pun punnetry slam <laughs> podcast. We I mean we do have we do have really bad puns listed on our show artwork, so you know it's it's not not a pun podcast. Today it's a podcast, kind of. We're we're gonna Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we, We've talked so we've talked about weed several times on this show. We're not going to get too much into the weeds. The- <laughs> there you go. Oh, I said See? I wouldn't. Oh, that's okay. I liked it because honestly, I, I don't know where that sentence was going. So I'm just going to keep moving. What we are going to talk about is the recent executive order issued by the Biden administration in early October, granting a full, complete, and unconditional pardon to folks convicted of simple pre- simple possession of marijuana under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. So you remember in, it was early 2021 on this podcast, we talked about um, the potential, how a president or Congress could essentially legalize legalize marijuana at the federal level or deschedule it. And I think, I think what I said at the time was Joe Biden doesn't party. Right? Was that the line? (laughs) That that is exactly what you said. When I was telling people, when I was telling people not to get their hopes up. This is like Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I think, has like opened the door to the party. At least. <laughs> he's not going to go <laughs> in. He's probably still not going to go in. He's probably still going to yeah. go back out on the porch and call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this the president did say though that um, he cited what why he was doing this is that uh, having even for those who are out of federal prison for who have been convicted for this um, is that it still does create needless barriers mm-hmm. to like employment, housing, getting into college, getting yeah. financial aid, getting credit, all this kind of like everybody kind of is well aware at this point, how burdensome a criminal conviction on your record yeah. can be even after you complete your, your sentence. What president Biden and the justice department have said is that a a pardon does help, but it removes quote legal disabilities mm-hmm. caused by a conviction and should quote lessen to some extent the stigma end quote that many people with convictions face. And everybody, and this got a lot of attention in the everybody's like, oh my gosh, Biden's pardoning all these people convicted, and there was a freak out 
because whatever, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of silly because these were all, these are mostly people who have either A, completed their sentence because, because the likelihood these days, like to just be real, the likelihood of going to federal prison just on a marijuana possession charge yeah. is extremely minimal. Like for the most part, this is a charge that is added on to charges related to drug trafficking or manufacturing or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Like walking down the street, like even though to be clear again, like we always say on findlaw.com, marijuana remains illegal at the federal level. Yep. However, walking down the street, smoking a J, you probably aren't <laughs> going to end up in federal prison. Right. <laughs> but what was lost in all the adulation from some corners and then the freak out in the other is that like the DOJ points out in their own release on this, pardon recipients will still be required to disclose prior convictions on any form that requires such information. However, you can also disclose that, that you have received a pardon. But a pardon is, maybe this is a good time for Laura to actually talk about what a pardon <laughs> is and what it does. I would love to. It's important to think about or to talk about the difference between a pardon and expungement and what a person would need to do to actually get this conviction removed from their record. So a pardon, the president's power to pardon comes from Article 2 of the Constitution. Only the president can pardon someone for a federal crime. And it essentially releases a person from the legal penalties related to this conviction. So like Andy said, you could be released from prison. In this case, a lot of these folks are probably not in prison. It could be that you don't have to pay a fine or you'd get paid back for the fine that you paid. And this is something that the the history of pardons goes back to the beginning of the presidency. George Washington pardoned several conspirators from what is known as the Whiskey Rebellion. I could I could go into my, my way, way back machine for a second. Time traveling lawyer. Time traveling lawyer. I'm here. And well, Joe's not here, but he'd be proud of me because for the reference that I'm about to make. So in 1791, our good friend Alexander Hamilton is the secretary of the treasury, and he proposes an excise tax on distilled spirits. And he doesn't think it's really going to be a big deal. But tell that to the folks living on the frontier in Western Pennsylvania, where these, these farmers, because of different restrictions on shipping, you know, corn and rye and that kind of thing... Th- the, they were making a lot of money selling their crops to whiskey manufacturers. And at first, they just refused to pay the tax. But by 1794, these protests had turned incredibly violent. In July of that year, 400 so-called whiskey rebels set fire to the home of the regional tax supervisor. And Washington called together a militia of about 13,000 men, led them to western Pennsylvania. And by the time they got there, the rebels were in the wind. So... The, the militia was enough to scare them off, essentially. And 150 of them were apprehended and tried for treason. But because the prosecution had kind of a hard time finding witnesses willing to testify, only two were convicted and Washington ended up pardoning them. There's my little history lesson for you. Oh, wow. So pardons are old. Pardons <laughs> have been around forever. And so, yeah, presidents have been pardoning people for a very long time. And um, interestingly, presidents can also issue preemptive pardons for crimes that an individual may have committed. And this gets a little complicated. They don't happen very often. Mm. Uh, The president, the the person has to have committed a federal offense, but the president 
doesn't have to wait for them to be charged or go to trial before pardoning them. So, for example, when President Ford pardoned Richard Nixon after he resigned due to the Watergate scandal, even though he hadn't been charged with a crime yet, or when President Carter pardoned people who had dodged the draft during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Or, the de- or the debate about President Trump, the, sel- the self-pardon. Right. Well, the, oh, the self-pardon is a whole nother issue. Like the, the, we could probably do a whole episode on the self-pardon. So I'm, I'm not going to get really into that right now. But the, the important distinction here is that a pardon can't be issued for something that hasn't happened yet. So even though we don't necessarily have to wait for someone to be charged, something has to have happened already. In most cases, it's, it's after someone has been convicted, especially when it comes to people requesting pardons from the president. And that was something that I wanted to talk about is that is how do you even get a pardon? So if unless, you know, if you're not lucky enough to be someone who is a close buddy of the president, you have to file a petition with the office of the pardon attorney. So rhetorically speaking, if I were to call the president a giant butthead who (laughs) is not cool and maybe should think about not being president anymore. And (laughs) (laughs) I've said these. I've said those words into existence, uh-huh. and and someone wants to say that I and a, and a hubbub were to spring up that that I've been uh, that I was threatening the president. I could then be pardoned before you, I'm even charged with. You could, yeah. Whether or not they would is is a whole a whole another. Um, Pardon me, butthead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so if you, yeah, you have to, there's there's a couple different petitions that you can that you can fill out. And yeah, you essentially, you fill out these forms, you send them to the office of the pardon attorney. And interestingly, there is no, there's no appeal. So if they deny your request for a pardon, that's it. They, they say, nope, sorry. But you could send another petition later, couldn't you? You could, yeah, you could keep trying. You could just be annoying. Do they have to seriously consider every petition? So every petition must get reviewed. Reviewed into the paper shredder. Or are there only certain crimes that are like eligible for pardoning? Or is it like kind of like a blanket anyone can? I mean, yeah, apply? it has to be. It has to be a federal offense. And and the big thing that the the office of the pardon attorney says, and it's important to to think about this when we're talking about pardon versus expungement, where a pardon goes on your record as sort of a sign of forgiveness. Um, it's not. It's not vindication or. It doesn't establish your innocence. And so one of the things that the Office of the Pardon Attorney does suggest is if you want to get a pardon, one of the best ways that you can do that is to accept responsibility for whatever the crime was and show remorse and show rehabilitation, that kind of a thing. Then they are, it seems, more likely to to accept your request. So to be clear, what Biden is doing is pardoning people convicted of charged with, I don't know, people involved in, mm-hmm. in marijuana. Simple marijuana possession, yeah. But he's not expunging them. Yeah, that's the important thing to keep in mind here is that a, a pardon can restore rights that a person may have lost as a result of their federal conviction, which sometimes that's like voting rights or, um, right to own a gun. Yeah. That's what, yep. That's what I was going to say is gun ownership and that kind of thing. But what it does not do is erase the conviction from public records. And so like, like Andy said up top, if you're filling out a form that asks whether you've been convicted of a crime, you still have to say yes, even if you've been pardoned. And that's where expungement comes in. Again, you'll see soon that it would be a lot more powerful if 
Biden or whoever, his administration, were to start expunging these things, but they can't because one notable difference between pardons and expungement is they're different in terms of who can grant them. Public officials can grant pardons. Most famously, as we know, you'll see the president do that. At the state level, you'll see state governors pardon criminal defendants if they're charged with state crimes, which most, most crimes are state crimes. Expungements, on the other hand, have to be ordered by a judge or a court, and it has to be ordered by the court that the conviction lies in, right? So the court has to have jurisdiction over, like it has to have been processed through that court. You can't just ask any court to expunge you if they weren't tied to the original charge. And like Laura said, it's not, expungement isn't forgiveness for committing a crime like a pardon is. Both of these things are different in how they affect your record. And that's like, that's what's most important here. So pardons don't require removal of a conviction from a criminal record expungements do to some degree. And Laura, you talked a lot about federal uh, pardons, but federal expungements are very rare. Like they can happen, but like there's no federal statute governing them. So pretty much all expungements, like practically speaking, end up happening at the state level. So the proceedings take place in state court. And this is facilitated by the fact that each state has its own laws governing expungements. Uh, like I said, there's not a lot of federal law about it. States have their own laws covering who's eligible for expungements, which offenses are eligible, procedures for applying for an expungement, what happens to the record when it's expunged. And so the upshot is that the process kind of varies from state to state. Most states have expungement options in places for juveniles. Mm -hmm. This is not unsurprising, right? So sure. you'll pretty commonly see a minor who committed a crime later has it expunged, which makes sense, right? Like the theory being that a lot, there are a lot more criminal laws, criminal procedure laws that are more lenient for juveniles. And this is just one example of them. Some states like Maine and North Dakota pretty much limit expungements to juvies. Um, Maine is really strict. Like even for juvies, it will only seal their records, not destroy them. And we'll get we'll get into the differences between sealing and destroying a little bit later. And even in in that case, the juvies have to meet all these conditions. Like it has to be three years after you finish your sentence. You can't have been convicted again for anything. You can't be currently facing charges. So Maine is pretty pretty limiting on 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 expungements. But a lot of states will also let adults seek expungement. So for example, in Kentucky, adults can petition the court for expungement of certain kinds of records. And the, the Kentucky felony expungement statute lists 61 specific felony convictions that may be expunged. It's usually not like murder, rape, yeah, armed right. robbery. Yeah, violent crimes are usually not on the list. Some crimes are pretty much never going to be eligible, like mm -hmm. the very serious offenses like murder, kidnapping, rape, what you mentioned. In Kentucky's case, these Specific ones that are eligible are what are called like class D nonviolent offenses. Nonviolence, it's, it's a key factor of them. Um, a lot of which are related to drugs, but also theft. Like the theft part I found pretty surprising and liberal of Kentucky. Um, theft related crimes are eligible for expungement. Um, but again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ones that are nonviolent, right? All states limit the types of offenses that can be expunged though. So you think a key one that would be eligible for expungement would be like traffic or driving related crimes. Um, but driving offenses may not be expunged from records in some states. So like, again, I know Maine's strict, but 
the Maine is pretty ad- adamant that a DUI is not expungible ever. In Pennsylvania, adult expungements are largely limited to removing an arrest from your record that did not result in a conviction. Oh, yeah, that's so, a big difference. Big difference. Um, so it really varies state to state. But the common thread here is that you have to be charged with the crime at the very least and like convicted in a lot of cases you're only eligible after you've finished serving your sentence if you had a sentence. And you have to keep your nose clean for like yep. a certain like amount of time beyond that too, right? Right, right. So it's not like it's it's very different from a pardon in that you're not getting out of jail time usually um, if you're facing jail time. It's just, it's, it's not really forgiveness, right? It's, you're not getting out of the direct consequences in terms of um, rehabilitative and like, Uh, punishment consequences for your crime, you're getting out of it following you and affecting you for the rest of life in terms of what you can, you know, like you can can essentially have a clean slate after you've served your punishment uh, mandated by the state. So how do you get an expungement? I mean, it's similar kind of, it's a lot, it's like, it, it seems like it's similar to the pardon in that it's, it's basically you just file for it, right? You get expungement petitions filed in the county where the conduct occurred, right? So whatever court you were originally charged with, that's where you file it. Typically there's a small filing fee, like it's $75 in New Jersey. Government paperwork charges. Big scam, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems small, but I, I mean, I, I know people who have had like drug crimes expunged in the past and the bulk of their charges were lawyer attorney's fees, right? They ended up paying like several grand in lawyer's fees. But I was listening listening to an interview um, of a state, you know, expungement attorney related to all this Biden stuff. And he was saying that, well, in my state, like you shouldn't need a lawyer. Mm. Uh, you should just be able to file it independently. So Maybe things have changed. Maybe it's very different state to state. Um, I think in a lot of states, you you can file it pro se in a sense, right? Like you shouldn't need a lawyer in some states, but... There's been a lot of positive movement over the last like 10 years in a, mm-hmm. like to make expungements easier in addition to a lot of other like criminal justice reform stuff. But it's probably not the case in some states where some states you probably have to, you probably do need a lawyer because you got to be prepared to like maybe argue, convince a judge, Mm -hmm. all that. Right. Because after you file this with or without a lawyer, the the DA, the district attorney is allowed a time period, maybe 30 days to consent to or oppose the petition. So they can come, the state can come back at you being like, no, we don't. This is this is why we oppose this uh, expungement, and then it's and after that it's up to the judge to sign the expungement order, right? So, how strong your case is might be influenced by you paying an attorney to help you, right? In theory, you're supposed to be able to do it yourself. Gather evidence that you're a good that you've like you know turned over a new leaf. Letters from your boss, friends, all that kind of stuff. And then once the judge signs it, what happens to the expunged record? Again, it depends on the state. They have their own laws on what they do with an expunged record. So two big ones I mentioned earlier are, it's basically like sealing or destroying the records. Kentucky, for example, in expunged records are sealed in Kentucky, which means it's removed from the public. Remember that most criminal records, especially adult ones, are generally available to the public. So anyone can technically request the state to look up your record, including notably your employer or maybe a landlord doing background mm-hmm. checks, right? This is why sealing your record is actually, you know, getting expunged 
is actually quite a big deal. All these people can no longer look up your criminal record. Uh, So it's not generally available to the public anymore, which should hopefully help with your job search, your apartment hunt. Police, however, still have access to a sealed record. So it still exists in the state system. Um, In a lot of states like New York, when a record is sealed, all related fingerprint, palm print, cards, booking photos, DNA samples may be returned to you or destroyed when it's sealed. And then that sealing, other states like Washington, for example, will destroy expunged records. Like they throw it in a fire? It is. It's kind of what it sounds like um, for all intents and purposes. Like all relevant documentation is removed from the state court system following the state's protocols for records destruction. I don't know if any protocols involve burning it in a bonfire, Andy. Probably shredding instead. I guess. Yeah, that's less fun, though. (laughs) It's less fun. Um, It's probably not as doom and gloom (laughs) as it sounds, but it's really like the record never existed. So no one in the state can access it. But Mm -hmm. it's important to keep in mind that expungement orders only remove information from official records. They can't change what's out there on the interwebs. If you have anything Uh on social media related to your crime, a court order for an expungement can't get someone to take it off. Or local local newspaper, (laughs) any of that stuff. Exactly. Same goes about, same goes for news stories that were published about it, right? Same goes, and for those you have to, like, there are other legal remedies that you could potentially take to get someone to take that information off, but expungement is not the process. And also, if there were arrests related to the crime outside of the court that you filed for the expungement in, outside of their purview, the court that's granting the expungement, remember, only has control over what it's, is in its own system. So if there was any outside involvement in another county or by law enforcement outside of that court system, you'd have to go through the process again in that jurisdiction. So basically expungement orders often don't completely erase public records. You keep on saying expunged, but I don't think that, mean, that means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is better than nothing. Yeah, it's better than a pardon, I think. I th- it was funny because, like, also missed in the hoopla of Biden's pardon announcement was like buried down in the some some press releases and documentation put out by the Department of Justice was was like if you want to get this part if you want to get your conviction for marijuana possession expunged you need to take that up with the U.S. District Court in which you were convicted. Yep. Like, don't ask, don't come to yep. us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're, we're still fielding letters right. from uh, Joe Exotic. We don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see where this goes, but... People still have their work cut out for them, I think. Yeah, and don't be surprised if, I don't know, your employer or a, a potential landlord denies you based on mm-hmm. charges that you thought were pardoned because they can still see them in mm-hmm. your background checks. But do make sure to like indicate that you've been pardoned because it's not... It's not yeah. nothing. So I think usually on those forms, there's there's a spot where you can say, yes, I was convicted of a crime. And there's a place where you can put more details. But the president of the United States of America has given me a stamp you know, of approval. And that could count for something. Yeah. <laughs> Grandpa Joe said it was okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa Joe. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonwhitehouse.com.
I think this is still a pretty big thing. So what he did was, well, I think Laura said what happened. I, I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, that's okay. 